Welcome everybody to Greater Depths Podcast. I'm uh, very excited for this is the relaunch of Greater Depths Podcast, the first episode after a two-year break, and uh, I thought it was fitting to have uh, the first guest that we had on the podcast to come and to be on the show again. And so um, I guess there's been a lot that's happened in the past two years. I graduated Bible college um, and moved over to this church. And last time you were on the show, you were evangelizing and were in that 13-month revival with CLC. So I guess... uh, you know, last time I had you just give your, you know, a little bit about yourself, but maybe just give a update and then we could just jump in what we got for today. Yeah, it's good to be on the podcast, uh, Brother Matt. Thank you for the invitation. And I do remember that first podcast that we recorded while we were at CLC. I guess that was probably somewhere near four years ago. Yeah. Um, in the past four years, God has um, unfolded. Uh, us coming here to Kerman to pastor the church. He's been doing great things, and uh, he's also given you a wonderful wife. You've gotten married, and you're right yep. here with us yep. and getting ready to launch out onto the missions field. So it's amazing that sometimes life seems to go slow and things can't get here fast enough, but when you look back, it looks like they've been moving very rapidly. So yeah, it's great to true. be on the podcast today. Yeah, well, I'm so glad that you're that you're on here with us. And um, I felt when I was thinking about this episode, the reason why I I gave you the topic that we're going to talk about today, which is hearing the voice of God, was uh, I was thinking back on when I was about 16 years old. And there was a young man that came uh, that I believe was a student at the time at Christian Life College. He came and did a service and it was so mind-boggling to me. It it broke this barrier that was on my mind that I had thought that you had to be, you know, 30, 40 years old to do something for God. Yeah. And I'm seeing this young man, you know, maybe in his early 20s yeah. that's flowing in the Holy Ghost, sensitive to God. And the question that came to my mind was how does he hear the voice of God? Yeah. Because it had been something that I guess I'd never thought about before, didn't think it was possible. And then, you know, I've I've been able to learn a little bit more, but that that question I think is something a lot of young people or even young ministers go through when they're not as confident, you know, how do I know that I'm hearing the voice of God or things like that. So I thought it would be good to bring you on and to kind of tackle that subject. And uh, we could probably just start with, I guess, you know, starting with how does God speak? Yeah, that's a great question. And I love the topic. And tapping into what you just said, I think it is important for us to have a rising revelation in the church that God does use and speak to and speak through young people. Mm -hmm. Um, We see evidence of that in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a little child, but right there the Lord is speaking to him, is affirming his ministry, 
and is letting him know that, hey, I'm going to speak through you to be a prophet to the nations. Mm-hmm. Of course, we know a prophet is a carrier of the word of God. And so there is ample precedent all throughout Scripture that God uses young people. He speaks to them. He speaks through them. Uh, Mary was a young lady at the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, Commentators and theologians believe that all of the apostles may have been teenagers at the time of their calling. They were certainly young people. Mm -hmm. Um, Moses was used as a young man and there was a clear mark upon his life from birth and so uh, I think the first step to hearing the voice of God is understanding that it's possible and not only that God wants it to be normal and natural among young people Mm -hmm. uh, in the apostolic church and uh, he wants to use us and, and speak through us and so when we talk about hearing the voice of God, one of the scriptures that comes to my mind is John chapter 10, um, verse number five. He says, my sheep know my voice, yeah. and a stranger will they not follow. And so this is one of the fundamental principles of knowing the voice of God. You have to be able to uh, separate the voices What's the voice of God and what is the voice of strangers? And so the voice of the stranger uh, in today's context would be many things. Yeah, Paul says that in this world there are many voices. None of them are without signification. And we understand that he's talking in the context of spiritual things, spiritual gifts. But there's a greater principle there that... There are many voices. All of them have impact, significance. And so hearing the voice of God clearly um, often is first understanding that God will speak to young people. Second, opening up your spirit to be aware that he is speaking. God is always speaking. And we may get more into that here in a little while. Uh, but then third, cutting out a lot of the other voices that are the voice of strangers or voices mm-hmm. that don't uh, facilitate or conduct the voice of God. So that would be three fundamental things uh, to get launched that I think a young person should consider if they have a hunger and a desire to hear the voice of God. Yeah, that's that's so good. I'm, I'm thinking about to... Uh Samuel wasn't he a young man when yes little boy yeah little boy and he he had to uh kind of go through is this is this Eli speaking to me or is this God speaking right. to me mm-hmm. and uh some it took that direction for him to yeah understand and then to listen again yeah. so um I know God speaks to individuals in different ways you know you've heard um people saying that God speaks to them in dreams, Mm -hmm. Uh, God will impress upon them, or, you know, different things like that. So would you say it can be for, you know, each individual person, do they have a specific way that God will speak to them, or is it, um, I guess the way I'm wording it, is it possible for it to be in other channels? Yeah, there are many channels through which God speaks. Some people are more given to certain channels than they are to other channels. Mm -hmm. 
Um, my grandmother had dreams. Um, and God would speak to her very clearly in that way. Yeah. My dad, God would drop thoughts or knowledge in his mind. That was the primary way by which he would uh, determine what he was going to preach or pastor or get a word of wisdom or knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so there is a, a diversity in the way that people um, receive the voice of God. And there are many variables to that. It could be what is a person open to. It could be what is the atmosphere that a person grew up in. It could be what channel is God just hoping to speak to them through or wanting to speak to them through at that time. And so um, I, hear, I hear young people ask me about dreams a lot, and we may get into that more. Mm -hmm. But there's not necessarily something you can do to achieve dreams. And, yeah. and I, I kind of get that flow of questions sometimes. People say, well, what can I do to get the dream flow more open? I think we need to be careful with that because it's God that gives dreams. Mm -hmm. And it, it, people who uh, superimpose human effort upon dreams end up getting into the dark side of the spirit world. And I think we need to be very, very careful about that. Yeah. Um, like, like trying to, uh, you mentioned it last night when you were teaching people that are trying to force dreams or lucid dreaming or. Right. Right. So it would be like dream experimentation. It's a big yeah. thing right now. Uh, particularly among the young, younger crowd, uh, you have hallucinogenic drugs, transcendental mm -hmm. meditation, and dream experimentation. These are big things right now. Um, all of these things are works of the flesh. It is the interjection of humanity into the spirit world. Mm -hmm. It is not the open reception of the Spirit of God into humanity. Yeah. And so when we impose human effort into the spirit world, it's not a work of God's spirit, but it's a work of the flesh. And so um, last night I taught a lesson right here at Pentecostal Tabernacle from 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20, mm -hmm. when Paul says, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. And I took that portion spirit and I taught, from the title glorify god in your spirit and yeah. we talked uh extensively about the human spirit and how it is affected by the different atmospheres uh that we are in and i think that talking about those things last night tied a lot into what we are saying today or talking mm -hmm. about today hearing the voice of god uh in the beginning of that lesson I felt to begin by talking about keeping to the integrity of Scripture yeah. and the intention of God in your study. And so this would tap into the voice of stranger because commentaries, um, Bible translations, uh, preachers or teachers, guys like you know John MacArthur or somebody who is yeah. not spirit-filled and does not have a full revelation of truth, we can't these are strangers to the kingdom and so we can gain historical information from them we can gain contextual information from scripture 
but we should not go to the voice of strangers for inspiration and revelation. Yeah. And so yeah. that would be a fundamental key on making sure uh, that the channels through which God speaks are, are clear and clean. Yeah, it makes me think of uh, how the Bible says, test and try the spirits, yeah. see if they be see of God. See if they be of God. Mm. And so the question is, Matt, how do you know if a spirit's of God? Yeah. Well, because you have the spirit of God. Mm -hmm. And so what does the voice of God sound like? What does it feel like? It sounds like the Bible and it feels like the Holy Ghost and the fruit yeah. of the Spirit. And so that would be a simple way to, to say, is this the voice of God? Well, what's it sound like? What's it feel like? And um, the more a young person reads their Bible, the more adept they're going to be at knowing the voice of God. Mm -hmm. The more a young person prays in the Spirit, the more adept they're going to be at hearing and knowing the voice of God. Yeah, same with uh, being in submission. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, when I was a young younger guy, I, I heard Brother Chester Wright, who I know, but I don't know closely. I've mm -hmm. never spent a lot of time around Brother Wright. But Brother Wright um, has been pretty uh, effective at teaching spiritual things over the years. Mm-hmm. And I heard him teaching on voices many years ago. And it opened my eyes to some things or just to some understanding about the voice of God. He said that there are primarily six voices wow. that, that speak and that we hear. And only one of them is the voice of God. You have the voice of your flesh, mm -hmm. which is your appetites. It's your, yeah. your, your, your human desires. You have the voice of your soul. And so your soul is your intellect, your emotions, your concept, your thinking. Mm -hmm. It's the thinking center of, of the, the individual. And so the voice of your soul is what you're thinking in your mind. That's you. Uh, then you have the voice of influencers, which is huge, especially with podcasts and oh, yeah. uh, media and, and YouTube. and The all new this age stuff. of social media. Yeah, you know, so yeah. it's everything's about influencers. Well, how do you influence somebody? You do it with your voice. Yeah, that's true. And so then you have the voice of uh, the devil, mm -hmm. devil, which would, which would encompass, um, you know, spirits and the adversary. You have the voice of culture. The voice mm -hmm. of culture speaks very loud. It also yeah. comes through media. It's not an individual influencer, but it's a collective influencer. Yeah. And then finally, you have the voice of God. And so hearing and isolating the voice of God in many ways requires that you separate these other voices away from being dominant in your mind yeah. and in your life. You can't, yeah. you have to... You have to quiet that voice of your flesh through uh, submitting yourself to God, fasting. Quiets mm -hmm. the voice of the flesh. Quieting the voice of your soul. The Word of God renews the mind and brings peace to the mind. Quieting the voice of influencers that don't conduct the voice of God. Yeah. Quieting the voice of the adversary by not interacting with things, video games, movies, media, whatever it may be, that would facilitate or entertain fallen or or dark spirits and then quieting the voice of culture by being separate like the lord yeah. commands us to do and it's then that the voice of god becomes clear yeah it, it makes me think of this picture 
I had heard in a in a teaching before concerning the voice of God, and you know, but to put it in an example of myself, I could be in a room full of people, mm-hmm. you know, like a like a Wednesday night, everybody's greeting each other, fellowshipping. You just hear the roar of different people speaking, yeah. but. If my wife were to call my name, that's right. I wouldn't have to be looking at her to recognize. Yeah, my wife just called my name. Mm-hmm. She's trying to get my attention. Yeah, and the reason why I can recognize that is because I've spent so much time with time. her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's really, really good, Matt. It's relationship. Mm-hmm. A relationship with Sister Jess builds a familiarity with her voice. Okay, yeah. so. You're in church. We have 200 people in there or whatever, 100 people. And you hear Matt. Well, you know it's Sister Jess because you spent time with her. But not only that, you know her attitude. You know her thoughts. You know her spirit. That's how it is with God. Mm -hmm. When you have a relationship, you begin to understand the tones of God's voice. And is he concerned about something? Is he, uh, is he not happy about something? Is he pleased with me? Yeah. And uh, so that's a great illustration. But again, I think it necessitates having a long period of time in our life or informative times when we isolate the voice of God away from all those other voices that vie for our attention. Yeah. So I guess a, a good follow-up question would be if... We, spending time in relationship with God helps you tune yourself to his voice. Mm-hmm. What would be, is that, or is that the only way, or is there other ways that I can uh, re- begin to recognize when God is speaking? Yeah, well, I, I think that you could say, what, in, what does a relationship with God encompass? Yeah. And so if I have a relationship with God, I'm going to have a attitude in an atmosphere of prayer in my life and i'm mm-hmm. going to have a prayer time that i connect with god every morning mm-hmm. and try to give him my first fruits of my day but i'm also not just going to have a prayer life i'm going to have a life of prayer yeah. meaning that i'm never far from prayer mm-hmm. or i think this is what paul's talking about when he says praying without ceasing He's not talking about us just mumbling prayers 24-7, but he's talking about a constant posture and attitude and atmosphere of prayer Yeah, that if God wants to speak at any time, that the lines are open. And so that comes by uh, my pastor, Brother Marvin Walker, told me something very, very powerful. He said years ago, I asked God what it meant uh, when he said pray, pray without ceasing through the Apostle Paul, and he said that the Lord spoke to him and made him to know that he said, uh, you have your thoughts, mm-hmm. and then you have our thoughts. Meaning, there were two sets of thoughts in a young yeah. man's mind. The thoughts that he allowed God to be in the presence of, and then the thoughts that he really didn't want God to hear or see, mm-hmm. which we know God's omniscient, so he sees all, knows all. Yeah, But the Lord was particularly speaking of the perspective of Brother Walker concerning his thought life as a young yeah. man. And so that helped me. Because you want, to, you want to banish 
the complete aspect of your thought life that you don't want God involved in or you would prefer that God not be aware of. And when it becomes about our thoughts, then it's prayer without ceasing. So you have an atmosphere of prayer. Another thing is you need to have a, a biblical uh, worldview and, and concepts that come from the Bible, and that only comes from reading your Bible. So I listen to my Bible a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, up until 1500s, Gutenberg Press, all that, most Bible reading was people would hear it in a verbal, oral way yeah. from somebody else. And so mm-hmm. the majority of human history, the Bible's been read to people. Yeah. And I think we may have lost a little bit of that, which we thank God that we can read our Bible, and I think that we need to, and we need to search the Scriptures and study mm-hmm. to show ourselves approved. But there's something about hearing the Bible because people begin to interpret the tone of god through their voice and there's certain revelation that i can get hearing the bible that i don't even get when i'm just reading and searching yeah. through the scripture different atmosphere revelation then the third way uh to cultivate that would be to be in a worship environment and have a man of god that's connected with god uh, that you know that god speaks through him and uh, so those would be ways that you could hear the voice of God and cultivate an atmosphere of becoming familiar with the voice of God. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Um, so you're getting to a place, you know, I'm thinking of myself, you know, these years ago where, okay, I'm putting forth this effort. God, I want to hear your voice. I want to be sensitive to you. Mm-hmm. And I think with coming with that, I'll just add a note that it comes to uh, submitting my will to the will of God as well. Absolutely. And then as as I put myself in that alignment, like you said, I leave my channel open mm-hmm. and God begins to speak. I'll even say, like, I, I just thought of this now. There's the, there could be the, the misconstrued idea of prayer that yeah. can affect the way that we hear the voice of God, which is yeah. when we go to prayer... And we talk, 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 mm-hmm. talk for, you know, hours on end with no break. And we haven't left a gap open where we can just meditate on the things of God, allow yeah. for him to impart things into our spirit and begin to yeah. speak. And it can, and I, and I, I don't want to say that it can make us waste our time because I don't think... I don't think you waste your time when you're praying to the Lord, but it might not be the most efficient use. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, looking at like, if we're talking, if I invite you on my, on my podcast yeah, and then I just sit here and talk for an hour and you don't get to say anything, (laughs) yeah, you know, what was the point of bringing you in here? Yeah. But you got to leave that space open, which at first feels awkward. Yeah. It's a dialogue. Yeah. Because, yeah, you know, sometimes when we equate silence with awkwardness yeah, and when we're praying and we remain silent and begin to meditate, it feels awkward. So, so here's a, here's a verse that just came to my mind while you were talking, uh, brother Matt, mm-hmm. that I think that fits. It's the first verse of Psalms. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Okay. So that yeah. guy's cutting off the channel of ungodly voices yeah 
or standeth in the way of sinners. So he's cutting off the channel of going into environments where the voice of God is not going to be the preeminent voice. Yeah. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So he himself is looking within his own spirit and his heart, and he doesn't want to be a scorner. He doesn't want to sit in that seat in his life. Yeah. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. So this is the word of God. This is the yeah. voice of God. And in this, in his law doth he meditate day and night. Wow, and so yeah. what it's saying here is you've got to cut off voices. You've got to make sure you don't go into certain atmospheres. Mm-hmm. You've got to keep your own heart in check and see what seat you're sitting in. Then you have to listen to the voice of God and read the word of God, but meditate. And a lot of times yeah. we leave that meditate off. Now, guys like me and you don't have as much trouble with it because we're introverts. Yeah. And so I don't have this idea that God expects me to totally put on a different personality in the prayer room mm-hmm. than I have in my daily life. I he desires truth in the inward parts. He wants us to be yeah. genuine and real, a real a relationship. You don't want a relationship where somebody's one way when they're talking to you and one way when they're in their daily life. That's yeah. not a genuine relationship. Mm-hmm. So m- my relationship of prayer, I see a lot of similarities in my relationship with my wife in communication. Yeah. In that, we have a set time that we talk. We're constantly connected throughout the day. We tag in, and we have a very strong marriage relationship. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a lot of thinking about what she said in between mm-hmm. the times of talking. And so meditation is like prayer. You have, may have a little time of meditation, but you also have an ongoing flow of meditating on what God is speaking and what you've read in your word and things of that nature. Yeah, that's true. And that's giving your that's giving yourself room to let God begin to speak to you. Absolutely. It kind of opens up a blank canvas for him to work with. Yeah. And exactly. begin to, to to speak things to you. Yeah. So so I know I, I had I I had said that we would touch on this. I feel like this would be a good place to go from here. Um, as you're learning the voice of God, how do you discern uh, this is God speaking to me? Because, uh, you know, I think a lot of times, especially in in young ministry, speaking from the perspective of a young minister, the, the big issue is, was this God or was this just me? Yeah. And uh, you know how to? What's a good practical way to try to discern that? Yeah. So that first of all, understand how you're going to hear the voice of God. Mm-hmm. Is God speaks in more ways than we can describe. The heavens declare the glory of God. The earth, you know, He's speaking in creation, day unto day, night unto night, and so God speaks in more ways than we could imagine. Yeah, But we primarily receive in a few ways. And so Paul says in the book of 2 Corinthians, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Yeah, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then he describes what these strongholds are. Mm-hmm. And there are three of them that are listed. And they all three are attached to the mind and 
have a particular aspect of communication to them. Yeah. And so the three strongholds are casting down imaginations uh, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought mm-hmm. to the obedience of Christ. And so this is described here by Paul, and I, I think it explains to us the three primary channels through which we hear the voice of God into our humanity, and yeah. that is through images, imaginations, knowledge. Mm-hmm. That's the learning channel. That's the channel you get in when you read your Bible. And then it's the audio channel. It's the channel where God's speaking to your mind and to your spirit. And yeah. so we receive God through images. Uh, we receive God through knowledge, and we receive God's word through thoughts. And so this is why we need to keep our our, our image channel clean. Yeah. Because if we're looking at a lot of things in the flesh, we can't clearly see and interpret what mm-hmm. we're seeing in the spirit. We need to keep our, our audio channel clean. We don't need to listen to certain types of music, podcast, etc. Because the more we do, the more it's clogged up. It's many voices. Yeah. And it's the same thing with our knowledge channel. Yeah. Um, and so fundamental to knowing whether it's God's voice is you got to keep those three channels clean. Otherwise, you're going to have all kinds of stuff coming in and you're not going to know. The second thing is there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Mm -hmm. This is why God gives us elders, pastors, uh, wise family members, mothers, fathers, authority. You said the word authority earlier. It's alignment with God's authority structure is going to keep us safe yeah. from something that was not the voice of God. Yeah. And then again, also, does it echo the the tone of Scripture? If it's not in alignment with the Bible, it's not God's voice. If it contradicts Scripture, it wasn't God. It was something else. And, yeah. um, you know, hath God said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? It sounds a lot like Scripture. Yeah. Questioning the voice of God. But it's not. It's not God's voice. Yeah. It sounds a lot like it. It but it, there's a spirit of questioning there and there's a there's there's spiritual elements mixed in with a partial word of God. Yeah. And I remember driving on the road years ago and I turned on to the uh Brigham Young University channel on um uh XM radio. Mhm. And I'm listening to this lady speak, and she's quoting all of these, quote, scriptures, unquote, from the Book of Mormon. Yeah. And they sounded kind of like kind of like the Bible, but not quite like the Bible. Yeah. And uh, so there was a lot that was mixed in. And so knowing the tone of scripture helps you to avoid those those voices and know you're hearing the voice of God. Yeah. I would say you could even, in the tone of what Satan spoke to Eve... You mm-hmm. could see the pride that was behind it too, because yeah. the, the nature of what he said was hath God said yeah. that you would eat of the fruit that you would surely die. And I think that's a that's an important thing to note when it comes to the voice of Satan. Right. He's challenging what the real word of it sounds really yeah. close, but it's it's challenging. It's <coughs> it's that nature that he had that mm-hmm. I will be lifted up. Yeah. The word that 
kept coming to me while I was teaching last night was tone. Mm-hmm. What's the tone? Uh, what's the tone of the spirit behind the words? Yeah. I remember listening to a guy preach a message on outward holiness several years ago. And I agreed with 100% of everything he said, but I couldn't receive that message because the tone was that of a very abrasive, aggressive, um, authoritarian tone. Yeah. And so God's big on the right tone. He says, speak the truth in love. Love and the fruit of the Spirit are the tone of God's voice. Yeah. Even judgment comes through love. Uh, judgment comes with with mercy mixed in. He, his default setting is mercy, and so this is why condemnation. When people hear a voice of condemnation, if you know how God speaks and what His tone is, you know that that's not conviction. That's condemnation because there's no love in it. Yeah, it's fear. Condemnation is is a. It's kind of like a cousin to fear. It's a fear that I'm never going to be good enough to live for God and get to heaven. And so knowing the tone and the personality of God through relationship helps us to understand that when he speaks, it's with these tones, but when the enemy speaks, it's with the tone of pride, and it's with the tone of criticism. And it may not be outward, overt criticism, but it might be a little spirit of questioning. And so anything with condemnation, condescension, sarcasm, uh, criticism, pride Mm -hmm. these things are the tone of satan among many many other shades of of tones yeah Yeah. man that 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 really made me think about it when you said that there's love and judgment people don't equate those two together many times right because we have a we have a a generic christian theology that um opposes grace and law yeah and so the law was actually god's grace to those people yeah in the book of titus i think it's 2 and 11 it says that grace is a teacher that's what the Mm -hmm. law was it was a schoolmaster yeah and so the law was actually god's manifestation of grace grace didn't just start at at the birth of jesus christ but Noah found grace in the eyes of the, law, of the Lord. The law was grace. This is why it, it says he's given us grace for grace. He gave yeah. us a new level of grace in exchange for that old law grace. Mm-hmm. And so that's a proper understanding of grace and law. But when we oppose grace and law, then we also oppose things like judgment and mercy. Yeah. Well, God's judgment is going to come first there's going to be a lot of mercy and you're going to see it you see it like in the example of pharaoh hardens his heart he hardens his heart he hardens his heart seven times and then finally god hardens pharaoh's heart but it didn't come without much 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 mercy yeah he had all those opportunities right right yeah and i and i think of to to connect it back to the voice of god i've seen especially in the culture this day and age the voice of culture that People are equating love with enablement. Yeah. I remember reading an article. I think I talked to you about it one mm-hmm. time with uh, uh, concerning Fresno and, you know, the Tower District being a, a, a large place where the homosexual community mm-hmm. is. 
Yeah. The Tower Theater was bought by a church. Mm-hmm. They were outraged by it. And the main point of the article that was in the newspaper about this church buying this theater was they said, how can I believe that a church loves me if they don't accept my lifestyle? And that just was, to me, it was the voice of culture. Yeah, it's a perversion of the concept of love. It's an attack of the likeness of God because God is love. It's the essential core aspect of God's character. It's the essential characteristic of God. And so to take love and to pervert it as enablement is to pervert the character of God Mm -hmm. and to uh, get people disillusioned about God. But if you're going to properly understand a concept of love, you need to look at what Scripture says about it. Uh, Whom he loveth, he chasteneth. Yeah. He doesn't enable. He loves you enough. It's a, a simple example would be I have a little boy who's four years old. Well, if he runs out towards the street, I'm going to say, Sam, don't run out towards the street and there will be a punishment. Do I love him or do I hate him because I punished him? No, I love him enough not to allow him to destroy himself. And so enablement is not a demonstration of love. Mm -hmm. Enablement actually is a demonstration that you don't have the true love of God for an individual. When a parent just allows their child to do just anything, they are allowing their child to destroy themselves, though they have knowledge that would prevent them if they utilized it. Yeah. And so this perversion of love is an attack on the character of God, and it's got everybody's mind messed up in our society. Yeah, and it's, it's a perfect example of how that voice just pulls you away from the things of God. Yeah. And uh, it's you got to be careful because people will will tie this into when God speaks, because we both Mm -hmm. can attest to it that when God speaks, there are times when he speaks to you to correct you, to convict you, to get you to make the proper changes to get on course with the will of God. And if we don't embrace this idea that like he's like the Bible says, whom he loves, he chastines. He chastines, and that is, if if we hear the voice of God and He's saying you need to put away your phone yeah. for a week, or mm-hmm. you need to delete this, you need to stop looking at this, and because we don't feel the love in that, because it's not easy to receive correction. Yeah that we separate that from the voice of God. It's Yeah, it, well, we're, we're choosing to listen to the voice of our flesh or our soul yeah, exactly. above the voice mm-hmm. of God. And one thing that came to my mind while you were giving that example, Brother Matt, is that if there's any voice or any aspect of God's voice that I don't want to die, it's the voice of repentance. Yeah, exactly. If... if God calls me to do something. I thank God for that. If God mm-hmm. gives me a message to preach, thank God for that. But whatever happens, God, I don't want you to stop speaking in the area of repentance. Yes. Because when you cut off the voice of repentance, then you cut off the voice of God. We see this with with Herod. He, he takes John's head off. Mm-hmm. And then later on, he wants to hear from Jesus, and Jesus 
answers him not a word. Yeah. So when you cut off the voice of repentance, you cut off the voice of Jesus. So you cut off the voice of chastening. You can't receive the rest of what God has for you. And part of the reason why people cut off the voice of repentance, I think it's primarily twofold. Number one, we want to do what we want to do. Yeah. And it's the voice of flesh. That's just carnality. Human nature. But sin then num- nature. Yeah, sin nature. But then number two, I think it is an Im- incomplete understanding of repentance. Mm-hmm. Repentance, of course, is signified in that Old Testament tabernacle of sacrifice and blood, and it's gory, and it's kind of rough. But following repentance, repentance releases you to baptism and to newness of life. And so Mm -hmm. repentance is a course correction that releases life. So it's actually not a negative thing. It's a joyous thing. Yeah. It releases great joy. It releases resurrection. And so if we could change our paradigm of repentance from just being somewhere we feel like we're trying to, you know, kill the flesh and and beat ourselves into submission to something yeah. that, hey, if I can just correct this little area, it's gonna allow God to trust me with life in this in this arena. Yeah. And it's also too because we can we can many times try to oversimplify repentance in regards to repentances. I'm just saying sorry. Yeah. But true repentance is an action. It's a course correction. Yeah, it is. I can say sorry all I want, but keep doing the same thing. Yeah. I'm not truly sorry. I can vocalize it, but there's no meaning behind it. Right. But when you put action to it. Yeah. Well, the Greek word for repentance literally means to miss the mark. Mm -hmm. And so every morning I'm praying, God, where am I missing the mark? Well, some things I've been doing in times of ignorance, and God's winked at it, but then I get mature enough in my walk with God, and I say, okay, God, what can I fix? And he goes, okay, now you're strong enough to deal with this. Yeah. And so I've had to... Like God had repentance is in many ways ongoing revelation about myself and my own posture and position. Yeah. And so there are things weekly that God will reveal to me. The longer you live for God, they're these little more obscure things. It's minor Mm -hmm. corrections, it's little things. And so repentance is an ongoing revelation of who we are and how can we can adjust and become more like Him. And for me, repentance has become. Uh, a, a wonderful time of my prayer. Mm-hmm. Number one, because I want to be pleasing to God. I don't just yeah. want to be a carnal guy that 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 just lets my flesh run out of control. Because I don't like the results of all of that stuff. Yeah. So I, I want to be pleasing to God. That's mm-hmm. what I hope is in my heart. And if you want to be pleasing to God, I think repentance can take on a, a brand new. Uh, you can get a new perspective of it, and it can be something very powerful in your yeah. life. Exactly. And it makes me think because, you know, people listening might be like, well, I thought we were talking about the voice of God. Why are we talking about repentance? Yeah. But I think of like when it, when a plane takes off from the airport, <coughs> they have a path that mm-hmm. they have to follow. They have to listen. Absolutely. And, and the, the people that are speaking to them mm-hmm. through the tower are telling them you need to shift the degree over right. this much. Well, if if God's telling you you need to shift your 
your your degree, your angle that you're walking. Yeah. And it's it seems minute. It doesn't seem like a lot when you're when you're doing it, but if the if the pilot doesn't follow that instruction, well by the time they reach the end of the destination, they're miles away from yeah. where they were originally going. Yeah. It's the same way. God, we it, it's small things that God corrects us and and instructs us to yeah to change and to make that correction and yeah. if we do it if we are obedient which i i think it all falls down to obedience absolutely when, when we're obedient to it it keeps us from getting off on this you know people might say well i'm never going to go charismatic yeah. well nobody wakes up a no. pentecostal one day and then a charismatic the next day they just miss a degree there a degree here yep and yeah. next thing you know miles down the road yeah I was reading where they said that um, in air in in flight, one degree off in direction of course will equate uh, one mile off course for every sixty miles traveled. Wow! So they gave the example like if you leave Tokyo and you're trying to fly to New York City, you'll end up in Toronto or something like that. Wow. And so what happens when somebody walks away from God or they go into some sort of charismatic world or whatever, they missed a lot of small degree corrections Mm -hmm. and they were trying to be apostolic, but they ended up this over here. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a pretty powerful illustration. And repentance, repentance is the number one aspect of the voice of God to me. Uh, because yeah. John precedes Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if I want to hear what Jesus has to say, I had to listen to what John had to say in that day. Message of repentance. The message of repentance. Mm-hmm. So powerful. Yeah, because I think I in my life as well, that's the number one way that God speaks to me. Yeah. And it's not the most exciting thing when you're looking at it, but at the same mm-hmm. time, it is the most exciting thing. Yeah. And I think it's also the laboratory. It's one of the main aspects of the laboratory for hearing the voice of God. Because as yeah. a young person, you're gonna, you're gonna. It's a challenge to learn the voice of God because we're mm-hmm. human. We're we're flesh and blood, and we're trying to learn a spiritual voice. Yeah. So there's a big gap there between my humanity and God's spirit. Mm-hmm. And so He gives us these laboratories. He gives us the preached and taught word. So we can hear what the voice of God sounds like through a man. You yeah. give us the written word so we can hear what his voice sounds like and we can see and research the tones of the voice of God. And then he gives us his spirit that, okay, now that you've been in the laboratory of the word and you've been in the laboratory of the, of the, uh, of the preached word and in services and things, now I'm actually going to start speaking to you through my spirit. Yeah, And the first way that he starts speaking to a person through the Spirit is by way of repentance. Mm-hmm. And they don't yet have the Holy Ghost yet, but the Spirit is drawing them. Yeah, And so repentance is the laboratory through in which God really trains people to hear his voice. And if a person can't live a life of repentance, then they're going to they're gonna struggle to hear the voice of God clearly. Yeah, it goes down to like the be faithful in the little things. Yeah. Where if if you're obedient to God when he's speaking to you to make some changes and some course corrections, then God will begin to speak to you concerning other things. 
Yeah. And I think that's also a way that God unfolds the ministry that he has in someone's yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Here at the church, we're, we try to train up young people mm-hmm. to grow in ministry, not only here at the church, but many of them will be launched out of here. Yeah. Um, we view our church as a ministry training center. So what I see with young people sometimes is as a pastor, I'll tell them, hey, this is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And then they don't go do it. Now, this doesn't happen all the time. We have a great group of young people, but this is just an example. Yeah. And then they'll come back two months later. Hey, pastor, I really need to know what you need to do. Well, you need to go do the last thing that you were told to do. Yeah. And this is how it is with the voice of God. God will tell us something, and we'll just kind of file that one away. And then we come back wanting another word. Well, many times it's going to be the same word you got last time. Yeah. Because if I can't listen to his voice in this way, why should he give me additional instruction? Yeah. That would take me further down the road. Yeah, and it and it goes back to if if I want to hear the voice of God, well, it's by his grace and mercy that we hear his voice to begin with. And so yeah. it's not my place to pick and choose what he's saying. Yeah. That's right. And it's easy it's easy to do. Yeah. A lot of people do that. Yeah. I would I would say that the large measure of what I call generic Christianity today is that picking and choosing type. Yeah. Like, I want this blessing part, but I don't want this sacrifice part, this repentance part. Yeah. It's like the, it's the itching ears. Yeah. They want to yeah. hear what. Not is. able to endure sound doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Brother Matt. Um, when you're going to minister out and this will be for the young preachers i'm taking over the podcast for three minutes Um, when you go to minister out and right now you're ministering out extensively full-time raising funds to go to bangladesh Mm -hmm. and you go to a church now i know how you are you don't just have the same sermon you're preaching everywhere you're getting a word from god to preach in that setting what does it feel like what is the experience what is the process by which god begins to bring a message to you for you to bring to the congregation um this is funny you flipped the switch on me (laughs) um no i well the first thing that i that i try to make sure that i'm doing is i'm studying even when i'm not yeah. Uh, I'm I'm giving myself over to prayer and to studying and, and things like that. So um I'm not I'm not one of those people that I will study to get a message. Yeah. That's I good. study to gain knowledge of the word. Yeah. And it's it's like when you pull water from a well. Yeah. It's this well of knowledge and revelation that God's given me. And as as I'm approaching a service and it's funny that you asked me because I learned a lot of this from you, you being my pastor. Um, when I'm approaching a service, you know, uh, Sunday's coming up, I don't feel as much stress about it because I'm in my prayer time. I yeah. know that this is coming up, so I'm going to I'm gonna hit on it in prayer. Yeah. I'm going to pray for the church. I'm going to pray for the city. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I'm going to kind of try to feel the atmosphere in prayer before I ever get there physically. Yeah, absolutely. And then God just begins to drop things into my spirit. Yeah. So he'll drop, uh, you know, he'll drop something from what I've studied. And as I'm there, I just kind of hit on that. And then God just, you know, kind of weaves it through, you know, yeah. as, as the Holy Ghost begins to minister to people. Yeah. And I've seen you when you get in the pulpit, you start from what God's given you, but you quickly flow into what God is giving you. Mm-hmm. You start with what God has given you, but you flow into what God is giving you. And so what I've watched with your ministry is that preaching is not just the preparation of something you have heard and the delivery of it, mm-hmm. but along with preparation of what you've had you have heard from God and the delivery it's also an open pipeline of what God is giving you in that moment yeah and yeah. i don't think that a young person can flow in a flow of revelation in the pulpit outside of relationship with God and knowing the voice of God mhm because for the voice of God to be that active and strong in a young man or a young lady's life, um, they're going to have to have spent some time with God. And I'm extremely encouraged because I'm seeing young people that are rising up in ministry, that are in the pulpit, flowing in revelation, and I know mm-hmm. where that comes from. Mm-hmm. That's not just atmospheric that you pick up from somebody that's because a young person is getting to know the voice of God. So let me yeah. ask you this, concerning the process of determining what you're going to preach. Um, do you have an overarching thought, or maybe God's even given you a title of where to launch from? Mm-hmm. What's the process of, of coming to the conclusion that this is the pathway God wants me to walk down today? Um, well, I will, I will say this as a prerequisite. I'm terrible at titles. <laughs> I couldn't even think up of a, yeah. a like, uh, I used to envy the preachers that have you want me to give you a titles. secret that I learned about titles. Hmm. Use the Bible. Like last night, my title was glorify God in your spirit. Yeah. I lifted it straight out of the scripture. So I always just, uh, I'm terrible at, my dad was like a great title person. I'm bad at it. So I just think, well. I want to be great at it. I'll just use what the Bible title is. Yeah. Should do that more often. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't have the the catchy titles. I do. Well, I guess what, what happens with me is I'll be in prayer and, or even just throughout my day, like you said, having the channel open in my mind, God will just begin to drop something in my spirit. Um, you know, it, it'll be something I read that day or it'll be, you know, something that seems out of the blue. Yeah. There was one time I was driving down the road and uh, I was driving back from my job when I worked as a barista. And in that 20 minute drive that I had, it seemed like it came out of nowhere. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually on the phone mm-hmm. with my wife. I, we weren't talking about anything spiritual. I think we were talking about groceries or something. And God just began to drop into me things about the vision Ezekiel had with the river and the temple. Yeah, yeah. And I had to tell my wife, I said, I, I got to 
I got to hang up. I need to write this down before I forget all of it. And it was like, it, it, it was a revelation about the river yeah. and it was flowing into me like a river. And then, you know, that I just file it away. I go and I study it out. I dissect it a little more. You yeah. go deeper. And then um, I remember I was invited to preach a, a, a class chapel at CLC. Yeah. And as I'm praying for it, I began to remember that time. And then I began to realize that's what I need to minister on. And so I pulled it out yeah. and I began to refresh myself on that study. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's usually how it is, yeah. is it'll, it'll be a thought and it's almost like I know mm -hmm. that this isn't just a thought that's dropping into me just simply to remember, but I'll feel that the Lord has dropped it for yeah. that purpose. It's almost like you, for me, I'll be like, hmm, this has been on my mind. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be like, well, what am I going to preach about? Yeah. And then I'll be like, well, this is what's on my mind. I don't have anything else to preach about. Yeah. And then it'll just kind of clarify the path. It'll get narrower and narrower and narrower until I just absolutely know. And when I walk in the in the church, I know this is this is absolutely the path. Sometimes also what I see happen a lot for me is, for example, Tuesday night I was up here at the church and I was teaching our Tuesday night discipleship Bible study. Mm -hmm. And the topic was stewardship. Well, I, I got off on something. I was talking about maintaining balance in extreme atmospheres or yeah. something. You know, like, like the world that we're living in. How do you maintain balance? And I connected it with stewardship. You do it with stewarding your time, your talent, your treasure, your relationship, all this stuff. Well, yeah. then I read the scripture from 1 Corinthians 6. Um, know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost and glorify mm -hmm. God in your spirit and your body. Well, when I read that, I thought, we teach a lot about glorifying God in our body, yeah. but we don't talk enough about the spirit. It was in the context of teaching. Mm -hmm. And so I briefly talked about it for a minute. Well, then I went home and it was on my mind, and I thought about it more and more. I was meditating on it, and I knew that in the context of teaching, God had given me another word. Yeah. And so there's a thread that... So I came last night, and I taught glorifying God in your spirit. Mm -hmm. And I think we've even seen it happen in this podcast this morning. I had a few notes of some things I wanted to say, because you had sent me... Uh, a heads up on what the topic would be, but then we begin to get talking about the voice of God in repentance and how repentance yeah. is the laboratory of the voice of God. And then there was a flow of revelation that just began to drift in the conversation. What will probably happen is that I will be stirred in study to study that more and more, and I might come yeah. here Saturday night, I might preach it, yeah. and that might be... So a lot of times the word that God has for the body is a thread that is pulled from the last word that I preached. And yeah. it's not like that all the time, but it happens pretty regularly. Yeah. Yeah, because I was gonna I was gonna ask you the same thing. You kinda already hit on it. But that's yeah. I've had that happen as well, where mm -hmm. it, it's almost like you're flowing in that revelation 
God yeah. gives it to you in that moment. And, yeah. or yeah, there's been times where I've been preaching from a scripture and then the Holy ghost will just lead me to reference another scripture. Yeah. And it's just like a, it's another path mm-hmm. of revelation. Yeah. Well, the word is Lagos, but it's also Rhema. Mm-hmm. And so when you get in the pulpit and you have a core thought that God's given you to launch from, you start working your way through the Lagos, mm-hmm. and then out of that drifts a rhema. Yeah. And so that's what I teach my sons. That's what I, I try. I talk to our young ministers here about how do you, you know, how to preach. Because we don't just want to raise up sermonizers and good orators. Yeah. Of course, good oratories. Yeah a blessing i'm not against oratory mm-hmm. you know putting putting a thought together that's a good thing to launch from yeah but it can't be a box that traps you in that you never get out of and so you build that thought you build that introduction whatever but when the spirit begins to flow you just begin to say what god's saying in your spirit and and tapping into that living word yeah flow that comes through preaching yeah Uh, i'm gonna follow up and ask you i remember you kind of hit on this when you were preaching at a at a clc chapel yeah and i don't know if you remember saying it but i'll i'll uh i'm sure you will you were you were talking about preaching and when you get up and preach yeah and you you said you you feel direction in the holy ghost but when you get there and you're preaching you're trying to find the flow Mm-hmm. And you know you you step here, you step on this on this area, and you might you might not feel it real strong, but then you step in a different area and the flow just yeah comes through. As far as after I've begun preaching, yes. Okay, so when I preach at home, many times it's different than when I preach out. Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with my role. Yeah, being a in a pastoral role. Right. Now. So I'm a pastor at home and couched within the role of a pastor is do the work of an evangelist. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of gospel preaching. Preaching yeah. Acts two thirty eight and we see a lot of people get the Holy Ghost get baptized here. So that's part of my pastoral role. There's also a lot of teaching. Pastor must be apt to teach. So mm-hmm. I teach at home. So I like last night I had a full prepared lesson that God gave me. When I go out, my role is many times different. Yeah. Because I'm not there for a long term. I'm not just laying another brick on the wall. Yeah. I'm there for a different purpose. And so it when I go out, it's going to be more of what I would call uh, a pinpoint prophetic operation type preaching. Yeah. And so the Lord will give me the general thought or path to start with again i'm going to start in the in the in the logos and there's going to be rhema that begins to flow Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like walking through a door and i may walk through that door and think i'm going to go into one neighborhood but i end up in another neighborhood yeah and so i'll start walking in one area and if it just isn't clicking like I know something's going to click because I've already felt that spirit, the spirit of that service in prayer, mm-hmm. then God will just drift me into another area and that's when it'll just kind of begin to take off. Yeah. 
and and you mentioned like you felt it in prayer that's that's what i think is important to remember is having the service in prayer having a, yeah yeah absolutely. you know the people you're ministering to the area that you're ministering at <laughs> you need to be yeah you don't just need i believe to visit it in prayer mm-hmm. you need to spend some time there in prayer yeah and get familiar with it so that when yeah. you're there you're not thrown for a loop yeah absolutely how many times have you heard somebody preach and i don't want to be negative or critical but how many times you heard somebody preach and it just didn't connect yeah well it's because some something wasn't quite properly prepared whether it was mm-hmm. them or the church or whatever so number one i'm going to prepare my heart i'm going to make sure i have a right spirit i'm not preaching mad yeah. at somebody or something yeah. you know um number two i want my top topic that god's gonna have me launch from it's gonna come from god it's not gonna come from my buddy that i just thought it was a cool thought or something like that or mm-hmm. something i heard a, a preacher preach yeah number three i want to know the environment of the spirit atmosphere that i'm going into of the city and of the church and of the pastor yeah okay so i'm gonna start i'm gonna start um by praying for that pastor Mm -hmm. and i'm going to in prayer you'll bump into that pastor's spirit so you'll kind of know what he's going through he's discouraged he's he's tired he's whatever he's frustrated he's living in sin god forbid but it's happened Mm -hmm. uh then I'll go to the church in prayer and I'll begin to feel at the church. Oh, they got a strong church board, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, something. <laughs> you can kind of feel it in prayer. And then why is the pastor this way and the church this way? Oh, they're carnal and the spirits of the city are affecting them. Yeah. And so you, when you go in and you preach, you've heard God's voice about the voice of repentance about where you're at personally. You've heard God's voice about what to preach you have god's mind and his voice he's talked to you about the pastor about the church about the city yeah and then about his how it fits into his overall purpose and so when you approach it with a a, with a whole uh a well-rounded approach spiritually and you want to hear the voice of god in every aspect that's when ministry will be very very impactful yeah what would what would be your advice on using wisdom with what you're feeling? So, like for example, you feel, you know, there's a strong church board, there's disunity, mm-hmm. there's carnality. Yeah. How would you advise using wisdom with that being dropped into your spirit? Yeah. Well, two things. Number one, anything you say, you want to be. Uh, the tone of it to be the fruit of the spirit yeah which is love so you speak the truth in love joy peace long suffering these things mm-hmm. um number two you are going to speak with the emotions of god yeah but you need to make sure it's not with the emotions of man mm-hmm. and so you need to differentiate between the voice of the soul and the voice of god yeah and get self out of it don't let it be preacher centered 
frustration preaching. Number three, you need to recognize and know your place. Yeah. Are you a novice? Are you a man that has experience? Experience is a Bible word. Mm -hmm. Are you a bishop, which would be an overseer? Are you somebody that has the authority to publicly deal with this? Or do you not have the authority and, and God's just showed you to privately pray about it yeah. and to touch it in a very general sense? Mm-hmm. And so I've seen young men that they felt clearly what was going on and they were right, but they handled it wrong. And so when I get a word of knowledge as to what's going on or how to approach a church culture or situation, whatever, I need a word of wisdom. And that only yeah. comes through prayer and, and knowing the voice of God, how to handle that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good because you don't want to wound people that you're trying no, to minister no. to. Scripture says in the Old Testament, don't see the kid in its mother's milk. Mm-hmm. Now, this is an Old Testament law that doesn't apply to the church today uh, explicitly, but it does implicitly. Yeah. Meaning we don't have problems with a whole bunch of church people boiling goats in their their mother's yeah. milk. But what we do know is that the milk, the mother is the church, mm-hmm. the milk is the word, and the kid is the new believer. Yeah. And so if people are not careful, they will take the word that was that was meant to be preached and they will roast some new believer. Yeah. And the word is a it's a sword. It can cut somebody's head off. And so we need to make sure that when we utilize the word, we're utilizing it in the way in which God intended for it to be used. That's through love, uh, even if it's something that is dealing in a judgment way from the Lord, which he does sometimes, which I know is not always popular in culture, but it's part of God's character. Yeah, and I I would say too, and I I haven't heard many people talk about it, but... You know, there there is an authority behind when you preach the word. Absolutely. There's, there's a authority in the Holy Ghost. There's authority mm-hmm. in the nature of the word of God because yeah. it's the all authoritative yeah. word. But you have to be careful <coughs> when you feel that authority yeah. that you don't operate through it in pride. Yeah. Well, humanity can dilute that authority. Yeah. And so the word carries its own authority. The spirit and the anointing carries its own authority, but my humanity can drastically cheapen or dilute that yeah. if I'm not if I'm not humble. Yeah, and it's through humility. It's through humility. I, I think when there's humility, that you're allowing for the authority of God to shine through. Yeah, you're 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 laying low so that the authority of God can fly high yeah and that's the difference like i've i've heard and and i can't you know i can't think of a specific person but i've heard times where people have preached and people will say well that was a good word Mm -hmm. but i've also heard when people come preach and they say wow that man has a relationship with god yeah and the difference the message wasn't necessarily bad between the two but i think it was the matter of delivery yeah, and there's a lot of humanity that get mi- gets mixed in, but then another component of it, Brother Matt, is the reception of the people. Yeah. 
is that only by pride cometh contention. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a lot of pride sitting in the congregation just because people are people. There's going to be pride somewhere. I'm not saying the whole congregation. They may have an overarching atmosphere of pride. That's usually not the case, but... There's going to be a few prideful people. Anytime you get a group of people together. Just just the nature of numbers. Yeah. And so there's going to be contention Mm -hmm. between the pulpit and the pew if the preacher's in pride. There's going to be a rejection of the message. And so God kind of gets caught in the crossfire of all of our humanity sometimes. And so humility even allows prideful people to get the word. Yeah, that's humility true. can deliver the word to a prideful person and they can repent. But yeah. prideful preaching can't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cuz when when that pride comes it just bucks up against yeah. other people's spirits, their their own pride and things yeah. like that, but Yeah. It's it's just the testimony of a humble man of God yeah. is is powerful. Yeah. Well, it's one of the primary battles of all of us. Mhm. Because pride is far from no man. Yeah. And um, that, to me, it ties back into what we're talking about, about living that life of repentance. Yeah. I think that that's got to be the the first thing. Because the enemy wants to get us prideful because that's his operating system. Mm -hmm. You know, you you have a Windows operating system, an Apple operating system. The two are not compatible unless you have some sort of you know, bridge that's made, but it's the same way. Satan's operating system is pride. God's operating system is humility. You yeah. know, God in his roundabout way will use prideful people like Pharaoh, but I don't want to be used like Pharaoh. Yeah, exactly. I want to be used. I want to be used in a, in a way in which God uses humble people. Yeah. Like you don't want to be used like Nebuchadnezzar. No. He used him <laughs> by turning him in, in, into yeah. an animal. Yeah, but yeah, yeah it, and I, I would say the, the best way that you can stay humble is going back to that repentance, because it's when you when you have pride, you don't see a fault in yourself. Yeah, there's a personal responsibility to humility. We have to humble yeah. ourselves, and I tell our church often concerning the topic of submission, mm-hmm. which I don't view as a negative topic for me. It's by way of submission that authority flows strongly. Yeah. And so it's a blessing. But following the word submit, submitting, uh, submission in Scripture, every single instance is followed by the exact same word, Mm -hmm. and it's yourself. Wow. And so there's a personal responsibility to us submitting and humbling ourselves. That's the personal responsibility that God expects. But if we're willing to do that, He'll show up in a mighty way through our ministry. Yeah. Yeah, it's powerful. It ties into the voice of God. Because when you are when you humble yourself, you're in the right alignment, in the right posture. Right. Yeah, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It says mm-hmm. that he humbled himself. And so the mindset, so Jesus spoke through the lens of what of his mindset. Yeah. And so his mindset was one of humility and servanthood and making himself of no reputation. So when he spoke, he spoke through that filter, that lens. And um, he wants to speak through his body. Yeah. But first he wants us to put on that, that mind of Christ. Yeah, that's right.
Yeah, I feel like that's a good that's a good place to conclude. Man, too. I've enjoyed this, brother Matt. I I, I have to pray God's blessing over your podcast. I think that God's really going to raise up young apostolic voices that have mm-hmm. a passion for what he's saying. And yeah. I greatly appreciate your spirit. And I'm excited about you and Sister Jess going to Bangladesh. And uh, yes, sir. we're just going to see God do mighty things, man. Yes. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Well, the honor is mine having you on here. It was uh, it was so crazy to think, yeah, like four years ago. Yeah. And we were both in different seasons of life. And yeah. God connected that together. And it's been a blessing to, to myself. Amen. We're both my from wife. Chicago, my brother. Yep, that's it. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm so thankful you were able to be on here, and um, I pray and hope that this was a tool to minister and to give some direction to somebody. Um, I would think it would be great uh, for us to close that you would just pray over the viewers. Jesus, I thank you for everyone who's tuned into this podcast today. I pray that your word would not just be informational, but let it be inspirational and revelation. Lord, let there be something that's said that's as a seed that finds fertile soil. I pray your blessing over every hungry heart that's listening. I pray your blessing over Brother Matt, Sister Jess, and over this podcast. May it reach far and wide. We thank you for the opportunity to share your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Go be blessed. Be a blessing to somebody.